Hello, 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 and welcome to another Can I Own podcast. I am your host, Art Veal, where we discuss some of the issues that are going on if you're trying to buy a home and maybe you've been rejected or maybe you uh, are not even sure where to start. Uh, and we try to discuss ways to help you and move you along in the process. Uh, first, let me start off and letting you know I am not a lender. I am a business owner, real estate investor that has for years helped a lot of families get into a home. And these were people that didn't believe they were able to get qualified or believed it would take a lot more than it actually did to get qualified. And I helped them. And so I'm using some of that knowledge to put out this podcast and try to hopefully help someone else and help them um, in their journey toward home ownership. So today's uh, topic uh, that we're going to discuss is uh, when you want to buy a home, what should your first step be? You know, a lot of people, if they feel they don't have good credit or maybe they don't have enough money for down down payment or they don't have significant savings, and especially if they've never made a big purchase like a home before, you know, it's obvious. Uh, a lot of times a home is your largest investment you'll ever make. They don't know what their first step would be. They don't know what they should do if they know that or at least they believe in their heart that they're not ready and they're not sure what to do. Um, they don't know what their first step should be. And so in this episode, we're going to discuss, depending on where you are, what your first step should be. Um, so. The first thing I want to start off with, there are three key points that you need to look at when you're ready to, when you've made the mental decision that you're ready to buy a home, but but you're not sure where to go from there. Uh, the first thing you should do is make sure you understand and know what's involved in owning a house. Um, a lot of people, when they've been rejected before or don't feel they're financially ready, they spend so much time focusing on whatever they have to do to get ready that they don't look at what's going to happen after they own the home. If you sit, set your mind that you're going to buy a home, then you will buy a home. You just don't realize it yet. Um, and so you have to look at everything that's involved in that process. So some of the things that are involved is the first thing is your finances have to be in order. Um, you're not going to be able to make a major financial decision or make a major financial purchase without your finances being in order. So if you're not sure what that entails, that means knowing how much you make annually. Uh, for some people, that's kind of difficult because they're paid sporadically or they're paid on a, um, you know, they look at their monthly paycheck and they're not sure to should they count their gross income, their net income. You need to know what you make annually gross and what you make annually net. Um, those are the two numbers you need to know. You also need to know how much your expenses are. What are you spending out on average a month? How much do you have left over for savings? Now, I know there are a lot of people listening to this podcast that probably feel, well, that's easy. I know I spend as much or more than I make a month. Um, and if that's the case, then you need to make some slight adjustments um, to fix that. I deal with a lot of families that when they sit down with me to buy a house, that the first thing they tell me is I don't have any extra money. I don't have any money to put towards savings, so I don't know what to do. And there are I we we always at 
at Can I Own and, and the services we provide, we always approach it with a two-prong approach. The first is to make sure we're counting every dollar of income because some people make money from uh, things outside of their normal work and they just don't count the income maybe because they get it cash or maybe because they just spend it as soon as they get it. Uh, we teach them to, to how to set it up so that they can count every dollar that they bring in. And then the second part is um, how to... I don't want to say how to reduce your expenses, although it's always good to reduce expenses. But the second part is how to um, set up your budget so that things happen automatically. A lot of times we can always start with the best intentions. And then when we get money in our account, um, it doesn't always manifest that way. I remember when I was starting off, when I would get paid, I would always say, OK, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then to kind of take it easy for the week. I would go out to eat dinner. I would go out to, you know, get some coffee. I would go out and do the, all these different things. And by the time I looked up, I was below what I, I spent more than I expected. And I could not take any money to do anything extra because I was putting my money into the things that I had to do. So um, that's one of the things we teach is how to be, you know, how to make sure you get your expenses and your savings and everything in order. And that's something that you're going to need if you're going to take on the, uh, position of owning a house, not just getting qualified to buy a house, but actually owning a house. The other thing you need to look at is how much a house will cost. Really, how much a house really costs. A lot of people, especially if you've been a lifelong renter or some people have never um, looked at all the costs associated with the house, you're going to have maintenance costs. You're going to have taxes that traditionally in most cases go up every year or every other year. You're going to have improvements that you're going to want to make. I've never seen a family move into a house and then say, okay, this is perfect. We don't need to do anything. Everybody has their own vision of how they want their house to be. And it's going to come down to, you know, buying furniture, buying, um, you know, paint to change the color of rooms, buying um, trim and, and window coverings, all kinds of things that you're going to want to spend. So you need to calculate that into, um, knowing that that's the cost of a house. And that comes back to having your finances in order, making some savings that are automatic and setting up automatic savings so that when you want to do those little things, you can you have the money to do them. But at the same time, you're conscious about how much you're spending and if it makes sense to spend it on that. You know, we all want to get something nice, but do you need to get that nice thing now or do you need to set some money aside and kind of save up for it? So you need to be conscious with your finances. Um, and the bulletproof budget, we go over a lot of those steps and kind of have to deal with, uh, getting people in the right mindset first, before we can even start to help them with their finances. Uh, it's getting their mindset in the right place. So that's, those are the, the two areas that you need to focus on before you even start with your first steps. Now, once you've looked at that stuff and you kind of know where you're at, the next step is to know the process you're going to have to go through with the lender. Um, I've dealt with a lot of people that have said they've had horrible lending experiences. They said the lender was not professional. The lender didn't do what they were supposed to do. The lender told them one thing and then changed it and they were frustrated. And they, I just hear it all the time. And while sometimes it is that a lender isn't professional, some, you know, not everybody in every profession is professional. And I'm not holding anything against any mortgage brokers or lenders. I know a lot of very good mortgage brokers and lenders, but they are working with, with, these lenders are typically um, cogs in a wheel. They need certain things from you to get you qualified and get you ready to buy a home. And people that are not used to 
um, meeting the demands that a lender will put on you kind of get frustrated in the process because they'll think that they're close to being done and they really are not. They have some other stuff to do. Or a common complaint is that the lender keeps coming back asking for more paperwork or asking for explanations and things like that. So you need to know that lenders are going to ask for a lot of stuff and you need to have an idea of what they're going to ask for so that you can kind of get that stuff together ahead of time. I always, when I'm working with my clients, I always encourage them uh, and in fact, I help a lot of people set this up where we give them an, a full, we give the lender a full financial package, and that's everything they're going to need, uh, at least initially, to get qualified for a loan. Because when you give them everything they need all at once, um, it makes their job a lot easier. It speeds up the process, and just causes a lot less headache. They're able to do their job. Um, the other things you need to know with the lender, and this is extremely important, I have to go over this all the time, is you need to know what numbers are important to you. A lot of people, uh, this is how a lot of people's mindset is when they go in to buy a house. The first thing they think is, I want to go in and buy a house. You know, I'm going to talk to a lender, see how much house I can buy because I don't know. And then the lender tells them, hey, you can afford a $175,000 house. Now, and they'll say, well, you know, you're going to have a payment. Your payment will roughly be about this month, this much. And the person will just say, wow, that's more house than I thought I could buy. But that's great. And so they immediately go out and start looking at these, you know, hundred and seventy five thousand dollar houses. When if you know your own numbers, if you if you educate yourself and know what you what your budget actually holds, that's why a budget is the key component of this whole thing. If you know what your budget can actually hold, you go into the lender and say, hey, this is what I'm looking at. I know what the numbers are going to come out to. Um, and I don't want to, I know the price range that I'm looking for. I just need to know that I can get qualified for that amount. The lender might say, yes, you're qualified for more than that amount. Don't worry about that. Work on the amount that you know, because what lenders do a lot of times, and it's no fault of their own. They're just working with the system that they were given. They'll tell you one thing to get you in the door. They'll tell you, you can afford this high amount. They'll tell you your interest rate will be this low. They'll tell you all these things. And then as they go through the process and start looking at all your paperwork and getting feedback from the under underwriter, they'll come back and say, oh, well, you know, we need to redo this loan in a different way. We need to put you in a different program. We can't do as high of a number as we told you originally. And that can be very frustrating to the buyer because you're thinking, oh, I thought I was I thought we were past this point. Now you're working backwards. So the best way is to know your numbers going in and tell the lender your numbers and work within your own perimeters. If you do that, then you're much less likely to get upset when things change because you'll already know where you stand. You need to know how much you can afford. You need to know how much you can save every month or how much you can put towards savings every month. And that's before and after the closing. You should be able to put money towards savings. Uh, again, like I said, we, we train our people on how to do that automatically so that they can put up savings. The next you need to know is how much you can realistically put down. Um, and usually that's how much you have now. Now, in, in a lot of my courses, I teach how to get around down payments, how to use other people's money for down payments. And all of that stuff works great, but it's always better to have some money of your own and then try these techniques. And then if the techniques don't work, you can always fall back on your money. If they do work, then you just save some money and you can put it toward, you know, savings or put it toward some other things that you want to do improvements on the house or maintenance, that kind of thing. So you need to know how much you can actually put down. 
And the last thing you need to know about a lender, at least in this aspect, is that they will probably come back to you after you've submitted your entire package. They're probably going to come back to you and ask for more stuff. They're probably going to ask for explanation letters on something that may not make sense to the underwriter. You have to understand the process. The mortgage broker or the person that you're dealing with at the bank, whoever is the one you're dealing with, is not the one that makes the decision. They take your paperwork to an underwriter. Sometimes they take it to a processor, then the processor takes it to an underwriter. And then that person looks at it and they might be seeing something completely different from the lender or mortgage broker that you're seeing. Some mortgage brokers are new to the game. They're, they're, you, and it's hard to tell who's new and who's seasoned, but some of them are new to the game, so they won't know things and they'll tell you one thing thinking that they know, but then when they go to the underwriter, the underwriter will say something different. And, you know, they they'll have to come back and tell you a whole different storyline. So just know that they're probably going to come back with for more stuff and they're going to want explanations. Just take a deep breath. Be prepared for that. Get them the stuff that they need back as quickly as possible and in a, in a complete manner. Don't give them don't piecemeal them things. When they say, I need these three things from you, don't send them one, then send them another one. Then a week later, send them the third one, thinking that, well, you had two of the three things. So surely you could have started on that. No, they can't move forward until they have all three things. So get all three things together. Send that whole package all the way together so paperwork doesn't get lost, things don't get misplaced or didn't come through. And then one of the most important things you can do is after you send them whatever they're asking for, call and follow up and verify that they received it. I've dealt with a lot of families that have had that issue where they um, send paperwork in, they don't hear anything and they wait a week or two weeks and then they call and the lender says, oh, I never got the paperwork. And so it's a very basic thing, but follow-up is a key to moving yourself uh, along in the process. Now, the third and final area that you need to look at uh, to the, as your first step should be most of us or a lot of us, or at least people that are listening to this podcast for the most part, aren't perfect. And so you have to choose a good team. A lot of people think that because they've had credit challenges or because they don't have a very high down payment or because they're not very knowledgeable about the home buying process, they think that they have to settle for whoever's willing to work with them. So a friend or a person they know will say, hey, use this lender and they don't know anything about them and they just trust that lender immediately because the lender is telling them that they can buy a house and they're going to help them. And so they just immediately go with that lender. They don't check and compare to anybody else. They just take that as law. And that's not what you want to do. You want to interview your lender. You want to explain your situation up front before they run your credit, before they pull paperwork, or anything else. You want to explain your situation and ask questions. Don't, don't just choose whoever's willing to help you. Ask them questions about them. How long have they been doing this? You know, When's the last time they worked with someone with credit like yours? When's the last time they've worked with what typical loan programs do they send people to? Do they send everybody FHA? Do they specialize in FHA? Do they specialize in jumbo loans? Do they specialize in lower income loans? Uh, you know, you need to know what kind of lender you're dealing with. Lenders want a sale. They want to put you in a house, but it's like it's like a doctor. There are a lot of people that are say that say they're doctors. And so let's say you're having a heart problem. 
you don't go to any doctor and just say, hey, doctor, I'm having a heart problem. You go to a doctor that specializes in cardiology. You go to a cardiologist. Just because someone's a doctor doesn't mean they know everything about your body or everything about doctoring. It's the same way with the lender. You don't want to just choose a lender because they say they're a lender. You want to work with a lender that is familiar and comfortable, not just familiar, but comfortable with your kind of situation. And so the only way you're going to be able to do that is to com uh, co communicate with them almost like an interview, talk to them and see where they're at and tell them where you're at and make sure it's a good fit. A lot of times lenders don't want to waste their time either. So when you talk to them, they'll get an idea of if they can help you or not. Some of them are just hungry for work. So you still have to interview them. Don't just take it as they chose me. So I'm going to go with this person. Um, ask as many questions as you can. There are no stupid questions. There are no bad questions. You need to understand this process. You're putting your money, your name, yourself on the line with buying a house so you need to be comfortable with this process if you need to ask more questions than normal or maybe more questions than what you think is normal that's okay if they're a good lender if they're a good fit for you they should have no problems with the number of questions you ask if they do have a problem with it or they seem uh, annoyed with your questions then that's a good sign that maybe you should choose someone else because as this process goes along you're going to want your questions answered and you shouldn't feel ashamed to ask questions. You shouldn't feel bad to ask questions. You should be encouraged and they should take their time and explain your and their answers to you. You need to feel comfortable with this transaction. So these are just a couple of things that you can do that will make the process easier. And they're the first steps that you should take. Know where you stand, know where you need to be and then go from there. So it works, you know, it works as a great way to get qualified. It works as a great way to get um get you started on the path. And so that's what you need to do. So again, this has been Artville. This is the Can I Own podcast and I've uh hopefully answered your question and uh if you have further questions, Please take a moment, go to our website, canown.com, go to the blog section, fill in a comment, ask a question in the comment section. I'm very good about responding. Um, if I if also it would be great if you could go on iTunes. We're now on iTunes, and if you can give us a rating on iTunes, if you found these podcasts useful, if you found the information helpful, then go on the podcast and leave us a review. Uh, we look forward to it. We want to help as many people. I personally want to help as many people as I can get qualified for a home. And so I'm ready and willing to help. Until next time, I wish you the best. Goodbye. Thanks a lot.